Ah, Ruben, you must be like the hippo. You know this story, no? No, I'm not, I'm not familiar with this story. Ah, the hippopotamus. Uh, he's born going, cool beans, I'm a hippo? No way, Jose. So he tried to paint stripe on himself to be like the zebra, but he could fool no one. And he tried to put the spot on his skin like the leopard, but everyone know him as a hippo. So at a certain point, he look himself in the mirror and he say, hey, I'm a hippopotamus. And there's nothing I can do about it. And as soon as he accepts this, he lived life happy, happy as a hippo. You understand? Welcome to the junk drawer. Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees the tweet <laughs> and replies, watch it again, it's mostly Tom's fault. How's the body? Great body. <laughs> no, the dead body. The dead <laughs> body. I'll give you 20 minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, all that you need to do is shoot guns and have sex. Uh, I'd give it an 80%. Oh my That's God. Fine. Here's why. You know the differences between y'all and me? I make this look good. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. Well, welcome to the Junk Drawer Podcast. And if you are someone who already guessed the movie we're talking about today without having just seen the title on the podcast title, just from that quote alone, just mad respect to you. Literally impossible for anybody <laughs> to have guessed that. <laughs> but I thought my French accent was pretty spot on. Uh, well, that was you? Yeah. I, I thought that I'm was sorry. a Spoiler alert. Wow. That's the big spoiler of the episode. That was actually me at the beginning. I am French. Um, but if uh, you haven't guessed it yet or read it yet, we're talking today about Along Came Polly. Uh, from 2004. It was directed by John Hamburg, uh, and it's a romantic comedy starring Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston. Uh, Jennifer Aniston was in the show Friends, if you've ever heard of the show Friends. Yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, it's not in America yet, right? No, I think they're going to do like a, a version of it for us soon. A live action? I think it'll be live action. Nice. Uh, but my name's Cole Brown. I'll be hosting tonight. I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I'm co-host number one, <clears throat> Mario Rico, the better of the two here today. In my opinion. Well, that, that feels unfair. Better as a person, not at its job. Better as a person? <laughs> my name is Bryce Howell, and I might leave in the next five minutes. I'll let you know. We might have an opening. <laughs> we'll let you know. See, I assumed you were going to go with just the next superlative up and say best of the three. Oh. But missed opportunity. Enough. But yeah, so we uh, were talking about Along Came Polly. Uh, and we start each episode kind of with our personal ratings uh, then we look at the Metacritic rating of the movie. Um, and so I have a lot to talk about, I think, today with this particular mm. movie. Um, and, and we'll get into that as we get into it. But I'm just going to start with my personal rating. So my personal rating for Long Kibali is 60%. Um, and I think even for me, that was like that was a little generous, I would say, even with, with, with my viewing of it this time. Uh, what about for you guys? Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to piggyback up his, what he said. Um, I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> I think this was our least... This movie has no depth. And to me, I, it existed in my mind as a better movie than what it was. Um, I always get it confused with something about Mary, which I'm sure you're also going to say. Um, but to me, it was just it was just like random scenes that were lacking a plot, a real good plot, and it, was, it seemed like an unfinished movie. Um, I was just bored. Um, I give it a 36, and I thought that was pretty generous, actually. Mm. Yeah, so I come down more on Mario's side of things as well, and I was actually excited when Cole picked this movie. Because, I was too. Yeah, because I had I'd maybe seen it twice. I'd definitely seen it before. I don't know that I'd seen it two times. But I had like quoted lots of parts of it and like remembered yep. distinct scenes, but really? couldn't definitely. have told you the plot. But I remembered Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it, and he played basketball, and yeah. that was funny. And I remembered the line, I destroyed your throw pillows because throw pillows suck also, because I really appreciate that sentiment. Um, I like throw pillows. I made my own, actually. No, I definitely identify with Jennifer Aniston in that time. Yeah. But I was like, I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is why I don't remember what happened in this movie, because nothing happens <laughs> in this movie. It's just not memorable. And also, I think I'm especially biased against it personally, because the specific type of humor where Ben Stiller is the lead, and I like Ben Stiller a lot, but like there was a time from like 2000 to 2005 where you got typecast in a bunch of these roles as like nice straight laced guy yeah. and just a bunch of bad things happen to him and that's supposed to be funny and I don't really think that's funny. It like makes me uncomfortable when bad things are happening to this guy who doesn't really deserve them. You know, he, like he always gets involved in a bathroom fiasco. There's always a bathroom fiasco. Always. Right. So I don't really enjoy that either. So I gave it a low rating as well. I gave it a 40, which is the lowest I've rated any of our movies. Yeah. So and, 60. And, 
It's not very believable. These two don't end up together ever. Yeah. So my <laughs> for me too, sixty percent was the lowest rating I've given yet on the on the podcast. And I think kind of a, a qualifier, a qualifier that we eighty uh, percent <laughs> baby, loud and proud. Uh, a qualifier for this one too is funny because I literally chose this movie based off of the thought: what romantic comedy do I remember the least? <laughs> wow, that's pretty. And, and truly, as a side note, it's a fun exercise because that's where you think of movies like Failure to Launch. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sorry if that's your favorite movie, but <laughs> very forgettable. Um, but I think similar to Bryce, when I thought about this movie before watching it, I could basically only remember that Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it uh, and that they played basketball in a scene. And that there's this French scuba instructor. And so I kept getting it confused as well, like Mario said, with like there's something about Mary and he's in another one. And heartbreak almost kid. The, yeah, the heartbreak kid. And so when I went to rewatch it, I really had, had like a – I wasn't sure what I was expecting. And so now that we've shared our take of the movie – uh, let's go to the Metacritic take of the movie. So Metacritic, Bryce, what is the Metacritic? So Metacritic is a website that aggregates a bunch of well-regarded critics' reviews of movies. Um, and so it kind of puts them into a formula where a five-star movie equals 100, a zero-star movie equals a zero, whatever rating system they use. So basically, a 100 is the perfect movie, a zero is the worst movie, a 50 would be a perfectly average movie. Right, and so... Metacritic um, for Along Came Polly uh, came out to 44%. Wow. <clears throat> so I think is closest. Bryce was closest to the pin. He's, Bless uh, up. Just want to thank God for this one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so as Bryce said, so that represents that this movie is below average. Yes. Um, by based off of critical scores. And sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think that's like exactly right and exactly what I was thinking with my 40, 45 is that like, it, and Mario mentioned this before we started recording is like the worst part about it is it's not so bad that it's funny at any point either. Yeah. It's just like kind like of daredevil. Bad, and that makes it forgettable. And so that's not a good place to be for a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the exact same thing that it's, it's, it's literally not bad enough to remember it. Yeah. So it exists in kind of this vanilla of, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't tell you critical details about the movie. It's almost as if Philip Seymour Hoffman's character was brought on as comic relief um, and then they forgot along the way that he was in the movie because they throw in these random scenes of his auditions for the G Jesus Christ Superstar. It doesn't really fit into the plot at all. They just put it at the end of the movie when they rush to the scene to the play and he like freaks out. You could take that whole sequence out and the movie doesn't change at all. Yeah, there's a couple of those that occur for me too of just scenes that didn't have to happen for the for the movie to be completely unaffected. Yeah. But so it seems like we all would be in agreement on this, but now after hearing you know our own opinions and the metacritic score, are we still sure that our score is accurate? I think um I don't want to say mine's low because I think the metacritic score shows that it is a below average movie. Um am I shocked that it's a 44? I don't know what's the real difference, right, between a 35 to a 44, I think. About nine points. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, 36 to a 44 would be eight points. Eight, so, math. But um, I think enough people probably thought, eh, it's a cool little flick you can put on. And other people thought, eh, this sucks. Um, but I, I think uh, I, I stand by my 36. It's not good. Yeah, but it's not bad either. It's just like yeah, it's just bleh. It's below average. Yeah, yeah. and I so I think yeah, we really stand it's by a that. Net, it's like a Netflix and chill movie. <laughs> it seems like honestly, this was before Netflix. Uh, yeah, sorry, obviously this was before Netflix, but like it feels like when Netflix was kind of finding its feet with movies, and they've had a lot of hits right recently. Obviously, Roma was nominated for Best Picture. Always Be My Maybe has been super successful Netflix Great movie. movie. But it feels like a kind of movie that Netflix would put out when they were trying to find their legs yeah. about their original features. It has stars. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So I think for me too, sixty percent. I think just on a personal level, like I would, I would categorize myself as an optimist. And so sixty percent <laughs> really? is like me saying a movie is like unwatchable. Sixty percent is super harsh for Cole. To, <laughs> we need to get Cole's rating system then. If sixty is unwatchable. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really hard to to connect to my rating scale. I'm sure. But yeah, I think. Watching it through again, I was just having a really hard time. And I don't know if I'm being, like, too critical here or just too harsh. But I had a really hard time engaging with the movie. Like, Same. very little of it feels believable. Exactly. And there's something that, um, and we'll talk about it now because, you know, I, I want to make it feel natural. So we watched 
uh, 500 Days of Summer, and we talked about 500 Days of Summer. And one of the things that we really loved about that movie... Great that host it, for that episode, by the way. He, he it, sounds hot. It's sorry that we had to let him go. Um, <laughs> he didn't. But we talked about that movie being so impactful because it felt so real. Mm-hmm. There's only one part where it kind of steps out of its own skin when it does the scene after uh, Tom has sex with Summer, and then it has, like, birds dancing in the streets, that whole deal. But it still, <laughs> like, feels fine in that scene. Yeah. But we talked about it just feeling real. And so my one of my biggest complaints is we kind of get into this, too... It's just that this movie doesn't feel believable. Yeah. Not not in a single part do I even step into the movie for a second to be like, oh yeah, I can I can picture this actually happening. I want to piggyback off that as well. Um, reflecting on the movie, think about in high school or college breaking up with a girlfriend, like a long term girlfriend. How long it took you to get over? This guy is in a marriage. He gets cheated on his honeymoon. Two weeks go by and he finds Polly who he's got really no connection with, and he seems to be fine. It's like, come on, at least do six months later. Like a, right. you know, a year has gone right. by. Give me a time just, hop for sure. I didn't remember that about watching it. So watching it this time, it literally took me out of the movie. I'm like, this is not realistic. Like, I know it's a movie, but come on. And so we've been, you know, we're a few episodes in now, and so it's, it's a process that we continue to get better at here with reviewing movies and talking about it. But I find for myself that this category... It's become more and more my favorite category to get into. Uh, and so we kind of call this one the efficient fix and what's kind of the one change that we would put into this movie that would have the biggest impact. And I really, with this particular time, tried to be critical of myself to say, okay, like truly what is the efficient fix? Like not just the movie shouldn't exist or, uh, you know, we should get an entirely different story in there. Um, so what about for you guys is the efficient fix for Along Came Polly? Yeah, this is also one of my favorite categories because it's the way I watch movies. And probably part of the reason that I like quote unquote bad movies so much is because in my mind, I'm like, oh, if they just changed this little thing, it would be a good movie. And I can kind of compartmentalize watching movies to be like, oh, that scene was bad, but the rest of the movie was okay. So I like the movie. And I think like Cole said, like it was kind of hard for this movie because I'm not sure which direction I want to steer it in to improve it. Like. It's a romantic comedy. I don't know if I want it to be more romantic or more of a comedy, but I think ultimately I do come down on the side of maybe cut out some of the comedy bits because like I said earlier, they don't really work for me personally. Uh, I don't find like the Ben Stiller is trapped in a bathroom humor very funny. So I'd steer into the romance more, but I even struggle with that because like Mario mentioned, like it's not super believable, the relationship between Ruben and Polly. So it's like, uh, I mean, I guess I'd go that way more, but I don't know if that works either. But maybe if they cut out like some of the weirdness of Ruben and some of the weirdness of Polly, maybe you believe their relationship more. And I think maybe that makes the movie more effective. Yeah, literally the scene set up for what you're talking about with Ruben, Ben Stiller in the bathroom, is she invites him on a date, or they go on a date and she invites him to go to this like North African spice restaurant. And he knows that he has IBS and still goes eat anyway, even though he's also a risk like analyst. So like, it's a gross scene. It's I mean, that, that, that the the grossness of it doesn't bother me, but just like the believability of like a guy who knows his own body and is like in the profession of risk analyzing is not going to just say what he would just definitely call a audible and say why don't we go eat at yeah. X restaurant or let's go to Jersey Mike's. Let's call it a day. <laughs> let's call it a day. Um, what about you? What about you, Mario? Yeah, <clears throat> mine is actually a little dissimilar from Bryce. I would actually make it a little longer in the sense of the relationship between Polly and is it Polly? Why did I say that wrong? Polly. Yeah, Polly, Polly. and um, Ben Stiller's character Ruben. Um, Ruben. 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 Give Ruben. me, give Ruben. me more scenes of them building up because essentially they go to dinner twice. And they go dancing. And then that's their relationship. And they're on the boat and they fight and that's it. Give me something that actually convinces me that Ben Stiller has been changed as a risk um, adverse guy. He sees life in a new, you know, with this new uh, rose colored glasses. Give me something to show me that this relationship could work. This woman has an impact. Also, why is she going out with him? He's so boring, he's got no personality. He hasn't made an impact in her life at all. You would think we would see the adverse. Like, she's a wild, crazy card, and she starts to reflect on, oh, I want a nice, normal guy. You don't see her perspective of it at all. So, it's so disjointed. Yeah, basically, for the most part, the story is that he changes 90% of himself to kind of make it happen. 
Um, the only thing he doesn't change is wearing his Dockers and white sneakers. <laughs> also, did you say you disagreed with me? Because that's the same thing I said. Oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I thought you said you would make it shorter. No, I would say I would make it more of a romantic movie and less oh, of a comedy Oh, my apologies. Movie. Yeah, I think that's a similar assessment that I had is that Here's the thing. So if it's going to be a romantic comedy, a big part of, you know, half of that is romantic. Um, and so for me, a big part of it is I did, did not identify with their relationship at all to the point so that like even there's a tension that they try to create where Jennifer Aniston is going to leave and Ben Stiller has probably missed her. And there's no part of me that's like, oh man, poor Ruben. He, he missed out. Like I really don't care if they end up together at all. Yeah. Yeah. And the so for me the the fix is and I, I, I kinda of put a question mark behind if this is the category for it, but the writing or story would be my efficient fix. And here's here's where I base that from. So one of the strongest scenes for me romantically is they're riding on the sailboat and they're down in the cabin and they're having some adverse weather and Jennifer Anson's character sees Ben Stiller's laptop open up and it shows this like risk assessment of either he's gonna date and pursue Polly or go with, I think her name was Lisa, Lisa his, yeah. his ex-wife or his current wife at the time. Uh, and so this fight ensues based off of that. And so they're going back and forth and, you know, I can't believe you do this and all that good stuff. And then Ben Stiller defends himself. He's like, well, I'm so sorry. Like my mother raised me to be afraid of everything. And then she goes and it's like really well done. She says, well, my father had a second family. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of like, like there's like a pause in the air. <laughs> He's like, what? And she's like, yeah. On Long Island, he had another wife and kids, and she pauses, and she's like, in a golden retriever. And, like, that's the first time in the whole movie where I'm like, oh, gosh, I really am yeah, interested. Yeah, she has levity. Yeah, there's, like, some deepness there. And gravity. so, yeah, levity. And then if there's anything to say about this movie and why it frustrates me is because that scene immediately gets interrupted by them running into a pile of rocks, yep. and then they just row away. It's and that's like it. never happened. And it's like, it. well, it's like that's the first scene where it really lets... Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston just act, and they do really well with it because they are huh. both really good actors. <laughs> first time they essentially who would have really, guessed? Really, the first time they flex their acting chops is in that scene. The only time in the yeah, movie. Yeah, they're going through the motions until then. And like you know, there's the a little bit of physical comedy, but it works with them like kind of falling back and forth as they're having this very serious conversation. And like that is one of the few scenes in the movie that like really works as it's delivered. Yeah. And you actually do care about the resolution of that. And then it is such a letdown that the resolution of that is. Boat crash, <laughs> and then yeah. ding. They just rode ashore. Yeah, rode ashore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, so with that fix now accomplished for us, uh, what about, what would be kind of the, and we, you know, broad terms, we call this the best scene. But if you were convincing somebody that they should watch this movie or getting somebody excited about watching Along King Polly, what is the yeah. scene that you would show them? And Bryce mentioned a term for this that I think really sums it effectively. Of, you know, what is the barometer for this movie. What scene says, here's what this movie is going to be like. If you like this, you'll like it. If you don't like this, you won't like it. Well, my scene is, I don't think it fits <clears throat> that is on the barometer, the correct scene, because it it's not a representation, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a representation of what the movie actually was. But if you take my scene out of its place and you show it to someone, they might think they're getting something better. And to me, that was the pizza scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman. When they go to get pizza, and he's talking about, hey, I might ask Polly out on this date, I think she's going to change me, blah, 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 and he's, there's comedy, right, with the grease on the pizza, Right. I remember that was something that people did do, they took that away from that movie, um, and it's got a little bit of romance, and he's he's a, kind of, he's a pig, right, he's a disgusting yeah. guy, and if you watch that scene alone, you're like, oh, this is funny, these two guys that are friends, they really don't get along, and there's a romance, it's going to be a funny romantic comedy, unfortunately, it just goes downhill from that but that's the scene i think i would show no i agree I, I i really had forgotten about that scene that is a that is a solid back and forth between the two of them i think for me the scene i would show and it's kind of funny because i went into this movie with with high expectations maybe out of just the last time i had seen it which had been a long time ago and if you haven't tell if you can't tell by now i'm, I'm i didn't love this movie so this is not a movie that i would try to convince somebody to well, go watch sexy, though. But I think my version of showing them this movie would just consist of me showing them scenes of it on YouTube and just letting that be the whole experience. <laughs> just like, hey, watch this funny scene and then we'll move on with our lives. Because that's how you could watch this movie. Is there one scene in particular? But, I mean, I think several of the scenes for that reason would just be funny. Like, literally, um, the scuba instructor like just 
oh, you fuck scuba? Like, that's, that would be funny just to watch just for three minutes to be done with it. But if I had to pick a scene that kind of, you know, encapsulates the movie or is the barometer, so to speak, of the movie, is I would pick that irritable bowel syndrome scene. So it's the scene with him sweating at dinner across from her. She's like, oh, I thought you would have been married up by now. You always seem like kind of like an old young guy, like always so grown. And he's really sweating and he's hurting. And then they go to her apartment and he has to so use the restroom and the bathroom is like right off the kitchen, which on a side note, I personally identify with the pain <laughs> and just the unapproachableness of a bathroom that close to. Still never used a public bathroom, Cole Brown. Wow. How, how would I? I would go to the bathroom anywhere. How you could tell I? me to go to the bathroom right now on this couch and I will go. I, I just, I can't let people hear me. I would be too scared. Oh, what you do is you flush as you go. I, I'll teach you. But yeah, so I would show that scene to, to, if I was trying to sell this movie. Yeah, so I hated that scene, so I'm not going to pick it, even though you're probably right that it's the scene that, like, if you like this scene, you'll like this movie. Um, but I actually went with, so I, I feel like there's really only two scenes in this movie that really are touching emotionally. And so one of them we mentioned already is them arguing on the sailboat, but that's not the one I picked. Um, the scene after Sandy, Philip Seymour Hoffman's, play where Philip Seymour Hoffman has destroyed this play and he's like stormed out and he's like I'm better than this um, and you get a lot of things in there that like if you hadn't seen the rest of the movie like feel even more weighted like uh, Ruben's dad talks for the first his only line in the movie which you don't really notice that he hadn't spoken yet until they make a comment about it but it works in that moment because it also does that thing that Mario said like the whole Philip Seymour Hoffman plot line doesn't make sense throughout the movie until this scene when Ruben's dad is delivering a monologue to Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ben Stiller, Ruben, realizes it also applies to him. So I got the quote pulled up. Here's what Irving Pfeffer says to Sandy, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's not about what happened in the past or what you think might happen in the future. It's about the ride for Christ's sake. There's no point in going through all this crap if you're not gonna enjoy the ride. And you know what? When you least expect something great might come along, something better than you even planned for. And I was like watching that, and again, kind of like muddling through this movie, like I don't really like it. I was like, oh, that's a that's a good scene. Yeah. Like that line was well delivered, like and like again, Philip Seymour Hoffman, great actor, like shows the emotion on his character's face, who's been this goofball the entire time, and like I am emotionally invested in the movie for that moment. Um, so that's my best scene, I think. If I'm trying to convince somebody to watch the movie, even though it doesn't represent what happens in the rest of the movie very well, that's the scene I would show yeah. them. Yeah, and I do like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character a lot. Um, like, I think it's a unique character style of doing this person who was a famous young child actor who's now still trying to make it happen. So, like, that's engaging, like, content. I think they do take it to the extreme to the point that you're, like, at a certain point, you're just kind of, like, rolling your eyes, like, okay, we've done this joke before already in this movie twice now. Right. And so that transitions for me into kind of what is the worst scene. Uh, and, again, this is just... My opinion. So it's not, I'm not saying this, you know, you might enjoy this movie, which is great for you. But if you enjoy it, then you have a bad taste in the movie. <laughs> and I would say this, this, this complaint might be a little trivial, but I don't get why there's two basketball scenes. There's more than two basketball scenes. I think there's only two. It's like two where they're playing basketball together. I think there's only I two. I think there's, there's three. There's three. Oh. No, no, I think there's two. I think it's it's them. Might have tuned out, honestly. <clears throat> the one is long. It's like the two of them playing alone, okay. and then guys He's getting show him up, advice. And then the second. And the second time is when they play against the big guys. Like that could just have been one time of playing basketball. Yeah. That I think a lot of times in this movie they take a joke and then just rinse and repeat it in a later scene. Yeah. As if it's going to deliver the same comedic effect. So it gets you laughing when the very first thing you see Philip Seymour Hoffman do is walk onto a dance floor and eat. Shit, like <laughs> fall hard and then pop back up like it's fine. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. But then when he like does more physical comedy throughout the movie, you're like, okay, he, yeah, you've done the I'm a big guy and I just got hurt routine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do think, again, I mentioned this at the top, but him screaming rain dance and then throwing it off the backboard will never not be funny <laughs> to me. But it was funny once. Like, yeah, that, that but like scene, you said, like, it's like, okay, it's the same. They run it back again. It's like, okay, I got it. And also, like, can we just go over, real tangent here, basketball etiquette, that dude should not have taken his shirt off. In, in the basketball scene, some guys want to come play two-on-two -two with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ben Stiller, Sandy and Ruben, and the dude takes his shirt off, and he is not in shape, and he is covered in hair. He's and, a like, Sasquatch. Just yeah. the rule of playing pickup basketball 
you leave your shirt back on. Especially, how do you have the confidence so, that Ben Stiller goes, I'm sorry, man, can you put your shirt back yeah. on? And the guy looks at him like, no. So I can see five on five. I've been in situations where you, you play shirts and you skins. play shirts and skins. Yeah, but two on two where you can't identify between you and your friend. And he takes it off unprompted. Right, yeah. it's not like he's been sweating and he goes, all right, now it's time. He just goes, <laughs> shirt off in the beginning. It's a power move. I'll tell you what uh, ruined the scene a little bit for me. I compared it immediately to a very famous basketball scene from The Office. And how funny Michael was at being bad at basketball is because uh, Michael Scott's character, he does different things with how he's bad with the basketball, right? Right. Philip Seymour Hoffman, it's the same. Sure, he says different things, but it's that continual scene of the ball bouncing off the backboard Backward. really aggressively. Like, yeah. miss the hoop, go up for a dunk and <laughs> right. get blocked. Like, it'd be terrible. funny if when he goes, he sets that super aggressive pick. And he's saying. And it'd be funny if, like, the guy just decked him yeah. over or something. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that was a bad one. My, my bad scene was uh, the very end. I thought it was so ineffective. It was so stupid where he runs um, to catch Jennifer Aniston and she's moving because she moves all the time. We don't know where she's going. And Ruben, Ben Stiller's character, finds that her ferret is still attached to the door handle. So he knows that she's going to be coming back for the ferret. It's a blind ferret. That didn't get me at all, the movie. The fact that she has a blind ferret. Oh, but the ferret runs into stuff. Isn't that funny? Yeah, right? So <laughs> he grabs a ferret. She comes around the corner, <laughs> and he's there. He says that he likes her, blah, blah, blah. And then earlier in the movie, he had told her never to eat bar nuts at a bar because people have germs. He gets a handful of nuts from a cart guy after getting the guy's hand through the nuts and then throws them on the ground and starts eating them off the street like it's a romantic thing. But because that initial moment in the movie didn't have any weight under it, when he's doing it at the end of the movie, I'm like, this is just stupid. Like, it's not effective. It's not romantic. These people are going to break up in another week. Right. It's certainly not John Cusack holding up the boombox and saying anything. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, I, yeah. Got, sorry. Real quick, you even got me thinking what probably would have delivered better is there's a line where Jennifer Aniston is calling him out because he is an insurance analyst and they're, the underlying theme from this movie is there, he's, or not theme, but storyline is he's trying to cover this really risk, riskful yeah. guy and seeing if they can give him life insurance. And he says, base jumping is like one of the most, you know, dangerous things, dangerous you, can things you can do. And she's like, well, how would you know? Have you, have you ever tried it? I thought Like, why not let him... You know, go after her and have to involve him doing some kind of base jump to yeah. get to her. Yeah. I honestly, when you, it's funny you said that, watching and hearing that, I'm like, oh, I can't remember. Does he, he ends up base jumping in this movie? No, he does yeah. not. Nope. It's like they forgot half the movie. There's a lot writing. of times where like lines come up earlier that you think are like, there's no payoff. Gonna pay off later. And it's like, it's never brought up again. <laughs> yeah. Um, my least favorite scene is the poop scene, toilet scene, whatever, yeah. in the house. Like I said, that sort of physical comedy doesn't get me at all. And so I'm just like very uncomfortable watching it. And I know it's supposed to be making me laugh, but it's not. It reminds me of why, again, I don't like a lot of Ben Stiller's uh, movies where he's the lead and he plays a very similar character. Like Meet the Parents, for example, was like this oh, sensation when it came out. I don't like Meet the Parents because... That's all of the jokes in Meet the Parents. Watching you, fucker. <laughs> I think so, De Niro makes that movie. Right, but like, like he, the, all the humor again is around Ben Stiller, like yeah. getting himself into really bad situations. I think the only effective bathroom scene in a movie that actually had me laughing was in Dumb and Dumber. After he takes, was it Laxative? And he's in the bathroom. Oh, uh, what's his name? What's the actor's name? Jim Carrey? No, it's not Jim Carrey. Oh. Oh, it's going to bother me. Anyways. It's funny. Jeff Daniels. Plays, Jeff yeah, Daniels. Daniels. Like, that's a funny scene. And it, but it was like... Harry! Yeah, in 96 <laughs> they do it. And you see it once, you've seen all the bathroom humor. Well, just if we're going on bathroom humor, also in Austin Powers, when he's beating up the guy in the bathroom and he keeps saying, who does number two work for? And the guy thinks he's just got a big poop coming. Oh, <laughs> it's equally funny. Yes. But yeah, right. in general, bathroom humor doesn't often work. And I think, again, I'm not trying to be on my high horse here. But Get off that horse! A lot of the humor just felt like it was dad jokes. Like, like the style of them are like the, what? oh, this will be funny, we'll do this. So, yeah. a very early 
humorous thing is, oh, they're on their honeymoon and she has sex with another guy, and then he has to take a ride to the airport <laughs> with the guy that just, you know, yeah. uh, his wife cheated on him. It's like, wah, wah, wah. it's like almost like a picture, like somebody like, oh, that would be funny. And yeah. then, like, I, you know, I love my dad, but I can literally picture him and I watching this movie together, and he'd be tapping my shoulder while laughing and be like, oh my gosh, are you watching the same thing? <laughs> he just pooped and it's really loud. This is hilarious. <laughs> I do always. A joke that does always make me laugh, though, is a storm out gone wrong, which happens twice in this. First of all, he's trying to drive away in a hurry, and he, drives, he wrecks the car, which always gets me. And then when Jennifer Aniston leaves later because uh, Ruben's wife has come back, she turns the wrong way, and then like a split second later, you see her come back, and it's so stupid, uh, and it gets I me every see, single time. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's like we said, there's a handful of these movie or scenes in the movie that we didn't care for. Another section that I love a lot, and uh, I'm borrowing from the movie uh, for the kind of branding for this one, is we're calling this, uh, Are You That Kid From Crocodile Tears? <laughs> uh, and we're just going to talk here on some alternate casting or directing, or just kind of uh, shout out for any fun cameos. So for me, I'll, I'll kind of start us off and we'll get into it, but this movie is unique in my viewing experience, where all the supporting cast is far more entertaining, funny, watchable than the leads. Like, I care more about Philip Seymour Hoffman, I care more about Alec Baldwin than I do Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston. Um, but tell me a little bit for you guys, what were some of the casting what-ifs or you know, things that stuck out to you casting-wise? Um, now, are you asking casting what-ifs, like who would we cast or things we heard might have happened? Either or. Okay. Um, I didn't. I love Jennifer Aniston. I think she's a good actress. Um, and actually watching her in this role, I thought she did a good job from... Uh, moving her away from Rachel, cause friends were still going on when she was doing this. However, I don't find her to be believable in this role at all. I think it was a miscast. Um, who I thought would have been perfect is Heather Graham. She's in Austin Powers, the second mm. Austin Powers Hangover. She's got that like hippie side to her, and she can play that really like disjointed from reality type character. So I, I really liked her. Um, I had no issues with Ben Stiller. Because he's such a straight-laced guy, but I also thought they could have done the same movie with Owen Wilson or maybe Jason Bateman. Because Bateman plays a very straight-laced character in a lot of movies. I feel like you might want Luke Wilson over Owen Wilson for the straight-laced guy. I don't know. I, I could see I could see it being Owen Wilson just because I think the acting chops. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I, I what that's those were my what ifs. Uh, I actually disagree though. I think I really liked this version of Jennifer Aniston because of what you said, like. I feel like every movie I've seen Jennifer Aniston in, she's straight-laced Rachel. She's some version of Rachel, basically. Uh, so I enjoyed seeing like her with a little bit more of a bohemian vibe, and I thought she did do a very good job with it. Uh, but that's kind of where my rabbit hole of the casting, alternate casting, came from. Uh, so I know her name's still Jennifer, but that's not why I thought of it. Um, I thought of Jennifer Garner and Freddie Prince Jr. as like the title roles, but or the lead roles, but kind of a role swap. But then this brings me to another thing that I'm not just annoyed with this movie, but like these sort of type of movies because you get, uh, you know, straight in my version of it, straight laced Jennifer Garner and kind of Bohemian Freddie Prince Jr. And you kind of get the, like Cole mentioned, like, oh, straight laced person has to learn that being relaxed and carefree is better. And it's like, all these movies are telling us that being responsible is bad. Like, stop being good at your job. Yeah. Stop being financially responsible and be like this person who lives like a vagabond. And I'm yeah. like, and again, so like, as I was coming up with my alternate casting, I was like, no, that movie would not work at all if you have some guy convincing some woman that like your career is not important. What's important is our relationship. And if you think of it that way, it's like, oh, no, I don't like that at all. And that's kind of, I think, another problem with this is, like, basically the whole movie, like Cole said, is, oh, yeah, this guy who's, like, super successful in his career had a tragic event happen in his life with his wife leaving him. He just needs to learn to chill out a little bit. I'm like, I don't know no way. if that's the correct yeah. moral to take from this. Yeah, definitely. You cast me, apparently. <laughs> no, I'm saying that's my, uh, people tell me that's my celebrity look like. Freddie Prince. Freddie Prince Jr. Jr. Freddie Prince. I get it all the time. Our co-host, Freddie Prince. That's me. Yeah, I think it's funny you just reminded me. So when I started watching this movie, in my head, I was like, oh, he's so straight-laced. She's kind of crazy. 
Yeah. And I like, I like, you know, basically that's the whole plot of the movie is that's it. That's it. And so that's for grins, I go and I watch the trailer and I kid you not, the opening beat is a guy narrating going, he's kind of, he has his life all together, but she doesn't know what's next. Like literally <laughs> they entered it the same exact way. I was like, oh my God. It's like a comedy. It's like you're watching a comedy where they jokingly make fun of a trailer for a romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, it's funny too. The preview. The, sorry, last thing. The trailer is from the age in movies where it was it was the not the in a world voice. It was the Rob Schneider is. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to that guy's voice because he was. We don't hear you from a anymore. lot of trailers. Um, but Cole mentioned also the cameos, and the cameos can't be recast because they're amazing. Um, I don't even know if you count Philip Seymour Hoffman as a cameo. No, he's, he's, he's a pretty significant character, but he is incredibly funny in this. Philip Seymour Hoffman has so much range where he could play like such an intense dramatic character and yeah, then also this crazy. total goofball. He's great. Alec Baldwin is going he's so good. nuts in he's this movie. He's my favorite part about this movie. He's hysterical. His, he's only a, he the is urinal a cameo. scene is hilarious. Yeah, he's getting to play an SNL character. The yeah. wedding speech is amazing. The urinal is incredible. I don't know what accent he's doing, but I'm it's dying. Like, it's like a, it's a New Yorker, like Long Island Jew. <laughs> when, he, when he started talking mazel, at, mazel, at mazel, the wedding, mazel. good things, good things. I was like, he's not going to do this voice the he's whole time. He's like, you're going to off the mic? Hey, don't be too rough. Don't <laughs> hey, be too rough on him. I need him on Monday. <laughs> and then uh, Hank Azaria as the French dive instructor, big deal. Impossible that that was who that was. Like, I couldn't believe like, He's freaking shredded. I did not expect Hank Azaria. I couldn't remember that was him. Yeah. Like his face doesn't fit the body. Literally, when I when I was looking at the casting, I saw his name. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually know who that is. I just thought he was just a random, like in shape French actor. <laughs> but no, it's Hank Azaria. Well, he's really good at voices. Obviously, I just know him as David. Oh, from I know. Friends, Phoebe's love interest. Well, he does a bunch of the voices for Simpsons. So he's like and fair guy. And a, he does a bunch of voice yeah. acting as well. And but then, of course, I see him as such a plain guy. So to see him in that role was crazy. The highlight of the movie maybe for me was. The video crew comes in. Kevin Hart. And Kevin Hart. And Judah Friedlander is the yeah. other person holding the Kevin camera. Hart's what, 19 maybe? Oh my gosh, he's so young looking. He's, like he's always been little, but oh my gosh. I was like, Kevin Hart! I was so excited. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to, when I saw that, there's a couple movies that I've seen lately where he plays a very minor role in. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, almost like, oh my gosh, I, there's a time where you weren't who you are now. You know, he was in all the scary movies. Remember the scary movies? He had yeah. that role with yeah. Anthony... Um, but yeah, I agree yeah. with Bryce. I think, blow up for Kevin Hart. Yeah. I think Alec Baldwin was incredible. Blow up. Yeah. Um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman was incredible too. And on a side note, I don't know how you get to become a three-name person versus just first and last name. You just talk about you just like commit name. to it. But one of the things I love about Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is his his payoff for lines is really, really strong if you if you track with what he's saying. So I'll give you one setup because it made me laugh the most, is when they're playing basketball. He's giving them tips. He's giving Ben Stiller tips on how to be intimate and what you should do. And he says that you should spank her. <laughs> and Ben Stiller, Ruben's like, are you sure? He's like, oh yeah, they love that. It, it brings them right back to childhood. And it's like really piggish and like, gosh, how do you say that? So then later in a scene, Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston are getting frisky for the first time. And he spanks her. And she's like, did you just spank me? He's like, no, I have like a crick in my wrist. And oh, like, there it is. There it is. Yeah, I worked it out. And so then, now the next scene after that, he's talking with Philip Seymour Hoffman again, son or um, Sandy, about hey, like we finally got together. He's like, oh, did you spank her? And he goes, yeah, I did, but she didn't really go for it. And then without like giving any kind of raised inflection, he goes, yeah, it's a major turnoff for a lot of girls. <laughs> like just completely not even <laughs> like, abandoning his advice. And there's a couple of times where he does that, where he's just like, he has, it's, he's hilarious. It makes you cringe when he explains why he should spank her. The girls like to be, it's like, you're their daddy. He, like, you think he's his best friend and so supportive. Like, even at one point, Ben Stiller nice. asks him, he's like, you know, wish me luck. I had my first date with her tonight. He goes, oh, I think this is going to go terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so he's incredible, Kevin Hart. My, and I put stars next to this in my own notes because it's the most impossible deep cut for me, is another cameo is Cheryl Hines, who you maybe don't know who that name is, but I recognize her face in the scene that she's in. She's the wife from Curb Your Enthusiasm. But she plays the um, catering host that like comes up to Jennifer Aniston in that scene in the museum or the art show. She's like, "Hey, like we need you to go like back to work." Um, but yeah, like I looked her up and I like remember I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's the wife from Curb Your Enthusiasm." And we didn't even mention Deborah Messing as Ruben. Yeah. And uh, also another little one is Missy Pyle, who plays Jennifer Aniston's friend, is in our one of our favorite movies, Galaxy Quest. 
where she plays an alien. But I think I think that's all of them I got. Yeah, she's also in uh, Dodgeball. She plays yeah, that, the German plays Dodgeball Eastern player. Eastern European. Or Eastern European, sorry. <laughs> just generic. Um, and then my last one, I never saw the show, but this was just, you know, if you're into this, um, you know, this you, this would matter for you. But Massey Oka is the guy who's playing Hero. Jesus in the stage performance yeah. of Jesus Christ Superstar, but he played Hero in Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Our next section uh, I've called, Are You Fascuba? <laughs> um, which is uh, a vague way of saying kind of, one of the things this movie did make me think, and this is probably the only thing I identified with this movie, is we've been talking about this a little bit, where Ben Stiller's character, Ruben, has to basically change his, inso- his entire self for Jennifer Aniston to be interested in him and for it to actually work out. So he goes from being this person who has his life together to I don't care about anything, and you know, all this progress doesn't matter. You know, it's way better just to be you know, free-spirited, which maybe for some people it is. But... Uh, it did make me think of kind of the extremes that he goes to to basically make it work for her. And it made me think, okay, what were some extremes that I went through in my own relationships or dating past where like I went way out of my comfort zone for the sake of, you know, trying to win somebody over. And so if y'all haven't thought of one, I'll, I'll go first to kind of lay the groundwork here. And uh, Lindsay, I love you. I got the okay from you from this uh, to begin with. <laughs> so uh, Lindsay's my wife. Um, Why don't you brag about it? I am. Um, <laughs> But in college, there was this girl that a few of us guys were interested in, and, uh, <laughs> and it was one of these situations where I was putting myself into a friend zone just because that meant that I got to be around her. Even though like, I, I, it was, there was no prospect of us ever dating, she was dating somebody at the that time. That was actually called The Cult. It's called The Cult. It's been trademarked. <laughs> you can't try it yourself. You have to get it okay by me before you try this. Side note, don't try it. Um, but I willingly go into this relationship to just be her friend for the hope that it might one day lead to something. And the climax of this is at one point she wants to train to run a half marathon with her, with her boyfriend. And I go, okay, well, uh, that's cool. I actually run a lot myself. Huh. She goes, oh, why don't we run together? Side note, I don't run that much. <laughs> and so that night I go, okay, well, if I'm going to run with her, I need to, at least, need to at least look like I know what I'm doing. So that night in, in Gainesville in college, I went for a run. And I'm, this is no hyperbole. I ran 14 miles. What? Oh my gosh. Got, but I did a terrible route and was three miles from where I started and could not move. <laughs> Had to literally use my Gator ID to take a campus bus back home. <laughs> and the way we had left it was like, oh, like text me tomorrow. We can go for a run. I just didn't text her. <laughs> <laughs> and then from so then wait, on, I like. You did a pre 14 miles? I was like, I need to like make sure I can do this. And yeah. So I went for a really long run and was sore, yeah. obviously, the next day. Couldn't walk at all, but just never did anything nice. about it. Nice. Yeah. I ever run 14 miles, you'll know, because I'll be dead and I'll never be on the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me feel not as bad as the one I did. I had a, a girl I was interested in high school, and we were really close friends, and <clears throat> I was in the friend zone. She was really into Twilight, the Twilight books, and she was trying to convinced me to read them, and obviously it was like, no, that's stupid. But I thought if I could read these Twilight books, I could get close to her. So I ended up reading three of them while she was in my life, and it didn't work out between us. Like We tried dating, and it didn't work out. But I was three books in, and I'm like, I need to finish this series. So there was nothing more sad than an 18-year-old guy going to Barnes & Noble after having been crushed by this girl, it's not going to take you and buying the last Twilight book to read on your own. Are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? You know, I used to be Team uh, Jacob growing up because I thought, oh, I'm tan. I have to identify with the tan guy. Definitely Team Edward now. Mm. Definitely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'll That's talk about one. that in our Twilight pod someday. Yeah, mine's kind of related to that. I don't know if it's more or less embarrassing, but mine's also from high school. Uh, and so there's this girl that I liked. Um, <laughs> who I knew liked the TV show One Tree Hill. Uh, and so I was like, oh, cool. If I watch this TV show, we'll have something to talk about. And now when I remember it, I'm like, we never watched it together. <laughs> I just watched One Tree Hill, which isn't really good. It's a bad show. By myself, so that the next day I could be like, oh, yeah, I watched that last night. It was good. <laughs> and so that was very sad. But on the bottom of the... off chance you ran into her and talked about it? Well, we had classes together. Oh, it was okay, high school. Okay. Um, my current wife also likes One Tree Hill, so I like no characters from One Tree Hill when she mentions it. So I don't know if that was worth it, but no. it did have a minor payoff. Yeah. 
Mine didn't pay off. My wife and I do not run, so I don't know that I'll ever be running in my lifetime. Um, she ruined running for you. You get there. <laughs> and, and also, just as a side note slash PSA on dating, this is Cole Brown's spontaneous dating advice. I need this. Um, is that with my now wife, this is the first time in my relationship history where I got to be fully myself around somebody. Oh, and there you go. they championed everything about that. So... The nice thing is, is that there was no me needing to change everything about myself to make it work with this person because real relationships wouldn't work that way. That's she dealt with your IBS. Yeah, she, she dealt with my IBS. She never makes me run. Uh, so she's perfect. <laughs> Sounds like a keeper. Um, so Our, we disagree with the overall message of Along Came Polly. Yes, oh yeah. But actually, I do agree that like, from an opposite perspective, like if you love someone, like you should criticize them until they change to be more like someone you would love more. That's just my general relationship philosophy. You're being sarcastic. No, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother used to say that if you treat, you know, your relationship like dirt, they'll stick like mud. There you go. Oh, he, he is a happily married man. So. so you can take any of these advice that we just shared. Hopefully take one that is beneficial to yes. your life. Um, our next section uh, we have called Tiddly Bits or Tidbits. Uh, is a section where we reserve tiddly for bits. just random internet research. This week's Tiddly Bit is sponsored by... Ryan's Steakhouse. Ryan's Steakhouse, exactly. Uh, food for the whole family. <laughs> That's not their slogan. Rolls on, rolls on, rolls. <laughs> so uh, go listen to this podcast at a Ryan's Steakhouse near you. If you find one, you've won. <laughs> uh, but my first Tiddly Bit... <laughs> Is uh, And this is a little bit of a, a rabbit hole, but it's that on IMDb, there's a trivia section for movies that are like fun and interesting, you know, things that you didn't know, factoids and stuff like that. And so when we reviewed SWAT, I looked at the tidbits or the, <laughs> I looked at the trivia section and it talked about that the jet they used actually was just had a V8 engine in it and that's what it was going back and forth on and that's kind of cool to me. My issue probably with this movie is that the tidbit or the trivia section in IMDb is relatively sparse. Literally, one of the trivia points that they give at the beginning is that, quote, Jennifer Aniston said in an interview that she did this movie to work with her friend Ben Stiller and a salsa dance. Yep. <laughs> Which reminds me, and you know, this was a little bit of an inside joke, but one time Bryce and I were hanging out and on the internet this pop-up came that said, 10 things you didn't know about Christopher Masterson. <laughs> who is Hyde's brother, or the actor who plays... Danny Masterson's brother. Danny Masterson's brother. And it was literally like a, you know, clickbait kind of thing, but we clicked on it, and Bryce, as it was loading, transitionally said, is number one, that he is still alive? <laughs> Which is harsh. Yes. But it was like, I don't know that that's going to be any kind of trivial knowledge that I will gain from knowing the ten things about Christopher Masterson. Likewise, there was very little trivial knowledge with Along Came Polly. Yeah, there wasn't very much out there for me either. Uh, one thing I did find that was kind of fun is as I was researching a different section, um, I ended up on the landing page for the 25, or not just 25, but the highest grossing movies of 2004, which is when this movie came out. So I honed in on the top 25 and listened to a couple of them. They're not in any particular order. Uh, Along Came Polly was number 25, Starsky and Hutch, Dodgeball, and Meet the Fockers. All Ben Stiller movies. What a year Ben Stiller had in 2004. Wow. I think this is kind of a, you know, they say actors do a one for them and one for me kind of mentality. So maybe this was him and Jennifer Aniston's like one for me movie where they could just hang out and <laughs> have do fun. Do whatever. Yeah. Um, but it grossed a lot of money and Ben Stiller's movies were, yeah. I mean, he was on fire in 2004. Yeah. Uh, the other fun tidbit that you could find just by watching the movie Produced by Danny DeVito. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which I was like, what? Probably just producer name, I would imagine, but... I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he was involved. Maybe. I want to think he was involved. Put him in the movie. Make it better. Yeah, I think so. Um, my tidbit, I mean, there, was, like, there wasn't anything on there. Mine was the ferret bit Ben Stiller a couple times, and once it got attached to his chin, so... <laughs> That's not a good movie, movie, not a good tidbit. <laughs> well, I, I found one actual tidbit, and you know, I'm giving myself a pat on the back because this was from just watching the movie and like, oh my gosh, that is this person. Um, so one actual or one last tiny, tiny one of a cameo in the movie is Jeffrey Ross, who is the Roastmaster guy. Yeah. He is the lead of the band in the wedding at the beginning. You oh. see him just in the background. He has no lines. That's not, even, not even a single portion. Like literally, Alec Baldwin is giving the speech, and you see him behind him. You know that's it. Like you searched it. 
I like, I go, literally I go, who, I saw him in his face, I was like, I think that's Jeffrey Ross, and I typed it, I was like, <laughs> and his IMDB has him credited huh. to Along Came Polly. Wow. But something you just said, Bryce, with the best grossing movies, or most grossing movies of... 2004. 2004. Um, and, and again, maybe this is, I don't know, I don't know if this is like a, me just, again, high-horsing it, or speaking out of a generation, but I also just kind of wonder if Ben Stiller's comedies were so profitable then, that you know maybe great comedies we hadn't like necessarily taken like the next step in great comedy yet i um, love half of the movies that i named okay yeah. starsky and hutch is probably not great but i think it's really funny and i think dodgeball is great i think dodgeball is great that's I, true i just think it's the, the how movies were then top 25 could have four comedies in it because it wasn't saturated with superhero thriller because they made comedies back then. they made comedies back then so yeah that's true well my other one in the tidbit section, and because it only fits here, is I wanted to ask this question to Mario. So this is directed by John Hamburg, who directs your, uh, you've mentioned that your favorite comedy of all time is I Love You Man. Yes. Oh, wow. So he also directs I Love You Man. Wow. Is he, there anything you need to defend on John Hamburg having yes. known that those two movies exist in the he, same... He gets it right. He gets it right the second time, or whenever he directs I Love You Man, because that movie is a complete great film. So, oof. <laughs> wow. Um, so our final question that we end every episode with is, does this belong in the junk drawer? The junk drawer, uh, if we haven't said it yet, is based out of just that bin that you see at your local box store where you see a loose pile of DVDs for $5 or less. Uh, and that's kind of where our theme for this podcast was birthed from. So does this movie belong in the junk drawer? Yes. <laughs> a thousand percent yes. I don't even think it... I don't know. Maybe no, because it's not good enough to be in the junk drawer. But yes, it does. No, it's 100% a junk drawer movie. There's the junk drawer. The bin at Walmart is filled with mediocre comedies like A Long Game Molly. Yes for me as well. And I think if I'm inventing the circumstance where it exists most in the junk drawer, uh, is it exists as a three-disc special with something about Mary... The Heartbreak Kid, yes. and Along Came Polly, yep. and the name of the thing is, Can You Tell Ben Stiller Apart in These Movies? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I am so sorry. I'm. I, this must be said. I know we're winding down. I have a very important question. Did this movie coin the phrase sharded? Ooh, good. Yeah, that, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. I think it definitely made it famous. Because in the movie, he says, I sharded, and Ruben goes, I don't know what that means, which now everybody knows what sharded yeah. means. So I feel like this movie is the first instance yeah. of the word chart. We can thank it for that. Thank you, Philip Seymour Hoffman. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yep. Oh, man, that's so sad. Really yeah. ending on a sad note. Yeah, why'd you bring us back in? That wasn't my fault. I wanted to mention chart. That was a funny note. He's just sharted. That's oh. why he wanted to let us know. Well, I guess we should just end it on something far funnier, like based out of the movie's comedy, like... <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you go. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Junk Drawer. Uh, as always, if you want to hear a movie that you're super excited about, uh, that you think, man, this movie is great, uh, you could reach out to us or can reach out to us at askthejunkchore at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to connect with us via Twitter, you can hit us up at, at junk underscore drawer underscore pod. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. See ya. White chocolate.